You literally should be outraged. Over the past two years, we've seen not just a small mishandling, but one of the greatest mishandlings in modern history. We've seen the tyranny. We've seen the lies. We've seen the misinformation. They love to use that word, don't they? The misinformation from the corrupted BBC, from the corrupted fake news. This boy was something big. Corruption, tyranny, autocratic regime-like behavior. I'm telling you now, the events over the past few years, the impacts shall be felt for generations. End of. This was the biggest mishandling within modern history, and day by day, we get more information in regards to the total and utter mishandling, and the incompetence, and the tyranny, and the censorship, and the autocratic tyranny in which you literally see in China. There was a recent piece that came out by The Telegraph in which highlighted the utter incompetence, the mishandling, the tyranny in which was imposed upon us during the past few years, the pandemic. And the fact that no one is speaking about this is beyond absurd. Let's take a look at the article and discuss free speech, censorship, the absurdity of censorship, and we'll also call out the corrupted fake news BBC, whom seemingly since 2016 have failed to report on the other side of the climate debate, which is just ridiculous. Of course, you can subscribe to Dantonist.com to gain access for free to reliable, valuable information. We don't pretend to know the truth like the corrupted fake news BBC. We, instead, have free open debate, discussion, dialogue, and we're open to changing our minds. That is how epistemology works. That is how knowledge works. And the corrupted fake news, they're never going to tell you that. So join the journey of finding the truth, of seeking the truth, because that is what politics is all about. That is what the corrupted fake news media should be doing. That is what this new wave of media is doing. And the corruption is a sign of the times, as we shall discuss later. Similarly to the 15th century corrupted church, in which hung on to tyranny during the last hours. The same is true now with the corrupted fake news media institution. The modern wave of media, in which is this, the modern wave of media is going to totally dismantle the fake news. Critics of COVID restrictions were targeted by counter-disinformation teams at the heart of government in the UK, according to the Telegraph investigation. This is just really insane. The secretive governmental unit worked with social media companies in an attempt to curtail decisions and discussions regarding controversial lockdown policies during the pandemic, Telegraph can reveal. The counter-disinformation unit was set up by ministers to tackle the supposed domestic threats, and it was used to target those critical of a lockdown and questioning the mass vaccination of children. So let's just get this straight. If you questioned, if you had a differing opinion in comparison to the consensus when it comes to, when it came to the lockdown policies, the questions, the policies of the day, the vaccination of young children, whom I can't say on YouTube because they'll censor me, but I think we all know where I'm going with this. You were banned. If you had studied this your whole life, if you had a differing opinion, as occurred to many reputable doctors, and individuals you were banned. This is insane. There is no, absolutely no, viable argument in which should support this. It's utter insanity. Critics of lockdowns had posts removed from social media. And let's just add, it wasn't just removed. They were censored. They were banned. There is growing suspicion that lockdown media firms use technology to stop the posts being promoted, circulated or widely shared after being flagged, by the CDU or its counterparts in the Cabinet Office. Documents revealed under the Freedom of Information Act and the data protection requests showed that the activities of prominent critics of governmental COVID policies were secretly monitored. An AI artificial intelligence firm was used by the government to scour social media sites and the company flagged discussions opposing vaccination passports. This is stuff you see in China. This is stuff you see in autocratic regimes around the world. 
we're so critical in the West of China. We're so critical of the West for their authoritarian regime within Russia. Look at us first. We are the corrupted. I swear to God, this is the most corrupted thing you're ever going to see in your life. This is the most authoritarian thing you're going to see in your life. And by the way, it's coming again, as we discussed in a prior commentary and on Dantons.com. The World Health Organization now is imposing a new treaty in which we as citizens don't get to vote upon, in which they can literally control you in regards to the necessity to lock down, lock borders, counter disinformation, they call it. Censor people, basically, that means online if you disagree with the current policies. So we're so critical of Russia and China, why don't we just look at ourselves? We imposed over the past years and still today, measures in which you see within the most authoritarian government known to man, the Chinese Communistic Party. Insanity. Many of the issues raised at the time were valid and have since proven to be well-founded, according to The Telegraph. The BBC also took part in secretive meetings of governmental policy forum to address the so-called disinformation. On Friday, MPs and freedom of speech campaigners condemned the disclosures as truly chilling and a tool for censoring British citizens akin to that of the Chinese Communist Party. Much of the government's wider work on disinformation is shrouded in the secrecy for national security reasons. Large parts of official documents are still not available to be seen. In America, Twitter has released similar information showing how the US government also introduced a secretive program to curtail discussions regarding COVID lockdowns. It can be revealed that activities of Professor Hennigan, the Oxford epidemiologist who has advised Boris Johnson and other doctors, a research fellow at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, they were monitored by governmental disinformation units. Molly Kingsley, who set up the campaign to keep schools open during the pandemic, also had her social activity monitored. So this lovely person, Molly, for stating that perhaps we shouldn't lock down children for a virus in which I can't go into details for, in consideration of the censorship that still occurs on YouTube. This person, Molly, who disputed locking down the nation, she was monitored and censored and tracked by an authoritarian artificial intelligence team working within the government. This is stuff you see in George Orwell's 1984. Utter, utter absurd. And by the way, you may think, oh, COVID's over now, why are you still focusing upon it? No, it's a slippery slope. This is going to happen with climate change. They're going to say, if you dispute climate change, if you don't dare go along with our consensus that the world is ending within one year, then we're going to ban you. The department has trusted flagger status at social media companies, including Facebook and Twitter, which means that requests for content to be removed are fast-tracked for consideration. In some cases, individuals whose social media posts were recorded by the units have subsequently faced sanctions by Twitter and Facebook. Ministers denied asking posts by Professor Hannigan and Mrs. Kingsley to be removed. The government has said that the CDU is focused on helping the government understand online disinformation narratives and understands to attempts to artificially manipulate the information environment. Yet that is total bullshit, to be frank. You're not trying to understand anything. You're trying to censor people who disagree with you. And that is not how knowledge works. That is not how the Enlightenment value works. That is not how societal dis debate and free speech occurs. That is censorship. There's no two ways about it. The government also ran counter-disinformation policy forums, bringing together civil servants from technology giants, including Facebook and Google, as well as the BBC to discuss how to limit the spread of what was considered COVID-19 disinformation. Maybe, instead of trying to censor and thus making everyone incredibly conspiratorial and losing distrust within your institutions, maybe just be open, share your information freely, don't hide information for the public, allow for free speech discussion and debate to occur. Bring people into the conversation, you corrupted fake news media giants. This is why, and they wonder why, fake news, fake corrupted media has lost trust. 
They wonder why these institutions of the day, no one trusts them anymore. Old people, young people, anyone, all people. Nobody trusts the fake corrupted news because they lied. There was a clear attempt to censor anyone who had alternative opinions. And many of the policies in which they were in advocation for, because of course they're the Ministry of Truth, no one can dispute them. These same policies have turned out now to be an utter catastrophe beyond belief. So the Ministry of Truth, namely the fake media, included with governmental organizations and tech giants, the policies in which they were in advocation for, these policies have turned out to be utter insane. Where is the accountability for your disinformation, Sunshine? The lockdown files published by The Telegraph earlier this year revealed that corrupted fake news Matt Hancock, the former health secretary, who was the most corrupted politician I think in the history of the world. I think this, this guy, like you can go to Oxford or whatever, I don't care. What a total, total fool this man is. He repeatedly lobbied Sir Nick Clegg, the former deputy, deputy prime minister, and now Facebook exec about vaccine misinformation. Facebook has been open about their efforts to tackle misinformation about COVID. During the pandemic, it removed posts and in April 2020 alone put warning labels on about 50 million pieces of content. The CDU was established in 2019 and was focused on the European elections before turning their focus on the pandemic. And this is the real issue with censorship and disinformation. Dis dis disinformation is basically another word a tyrant uses when they believe you know, when they hear alternative opinions. That is where the deterrent uses end off. There's no one normal who uses the word disinformation. The issue is this is not how knowledge works. Knowledge is not an undisputable, untouchable dogma. That is not how knowledge works. Knowledge is not something in which people can't criticize or touch. Science, knowledge, changes constantly. Knowledge in science works via the following principles, namely debate, discussion, free speech, and conjectures. And this is what people don't understand, per the Enlightenment era, we abided by and we agreed to abide by certain social cues and social contracts, including that of free speech, debate and discussion. And the Enlightenment era basically stated that we need to abide by these principles in order to progress society forward. Progress from a societal front was deemed as the utmost good. And these principles are basically necessary when it comes to rooting out falsehoods and finding truth. We as sapiens actually, on an individualistic basis, we're fairly sick, we're fairly stupid, but when you get in a group, and when you get into a society, and when you ensure that free speech, debate, discussion, criticism, conjectures are at the forefront, a part of the social fabric, then we can root out the truths, we can root out the falsehoods, and therefore we can progress society forward. And this really was the fundamental value, the fundamental principles, in which are really at the foundation of the Enlightenment era. But we're seeing commonly nowadays, the opposite of the Enlightenment principles. Instead, we're seeing any opposing of alternative viewpoints from the public are instead being labeled as disinformation. And in replacements for these alternative viewpoints, we have a bunch of mostly unelected officials whom are imposing an undisputable dogma upon you. If you dare question this undisputable dogma by these radical unelected people, then you're deemed as a radical person, you're deemed as a conspiracy theorist. In some cases, you're put in jail. If you dare oppose, you're banned from social media, and if you dare say anything in comparison to the consensus, you're demonized and alienated within society. This is not a conspiracy theory, this is happening right now, you should be outraged. And this is what you literally see within the corrupted Chinese Communistic Party, autocratic party, the, the, probably the most radical autocratic party we have ever had, excluding perhaps North Korea. It's like, and we're so critical of China all the time. Why don't we look at ourselves and stop morphing into a Chinese Communist Party lookalike? So let's check out this article by conservative woman on 
BBC misinformation, which is quite funny on the climate front, because the BBC, of course, is an undisputable dogma, which you can't question. You can't dispute if you dare criticize, yet you're labeled they're going to work with governmental organizations to call you a disinformation spreader. So the BBC, according to this article on climate change by a conservative woman, they have set up a new disinformation unit, BBC Verify. And this is a BBC disinformation correspondent stating that she's currently studying the UK conspiracy theory movement, which she claims has evolved and intensified since the Chinese coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, no wonder, love. Huh. Spring identifies alternative media as the source of so-called conspiracy theories. Well, let's just look at the BBC fake news who have been... They've never been wrong, have they? The BBC reported in 2021, according to this article, the Atlantic hurricane season was the third most active on record. It was not. There have been 32 years with high accounts. The BBC claimed last summer that the hurricanes are among the most violent storms on Earth and there is evidence they're getting more powerful. But according to the hurricane experts at the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, there has been no increase in the frequency or the intensity of Atlantic hurricanes since the late 1800s. Another claim is that the punishing weather conditions are linked to climate change have been eroded so much of the coast of Norfolk. The BBC has been unable to provide evidence for this. And the British Geological Society states that the coastline has been eroding at the same rate as uh, uh, now for the past 5,000 years. <laughs> this is great. We're going to do some more. In 2021, the BBC claimed that the heat pumps are much cheaper to run than gas boilers. The opposite is the case. The BBC has eventually admitted. Another one, in October 2022, the BBC reported that Norwegian archipelago of Svalbard has warmed by 4 degrees Celsius in the last 50 years. They failed to report the temperatures there plunged by almost as much between 1950 and 1970. And a final one, the BBC reported at the time of last summer's Pakistan floods that one third of the country had been submerged. Real figures, as evidenced by NASA satellites, were less than 10%. Why doesn't the BBC speak about the fact that we've had a 40% greening since the 1960s thanks to the increased CO2 in which goes into the atmosphere and which is plant food? It's like, are you kidding me? And to be fair, actually, credit where credit is due to the fake BBC, who obviously have colluded with the fake, you know, with the governmental organizations around the world for their disinformation campaign. They did report about this in 2016. But since then, it seems that when studying this since, since, since 2016, there has literally been a blackout when it comes to the alternative sides of the climate change debate, in which, of course, there are multiple different opinions and debates and discussions and views on climate change, on the severity of CO2, so on and so forth. The biggest tell that there is something corrupted fake, strange, fishy going on was, is, is when there's really just one narrative and you're not, you're not allowed to question. If you dare question, I mean, boy, oh boy. Furthermore, why doesn't the BBC speak about the 98% reduction within climate-related deaths in which has occurred since the 1900s, in which is primarily due to fossil fuels, which are ultra-cost-effective forms of energy, powering the machines, thus making our society ultra-productive. And this productivity is characterised by irrigation systems, by stable housing, so on and so forth. Hence the 98% reduction within climate-related deaths. They never speak about this. This, of course, evidently flies in the face of the narrative that the climate change is getting worse and that it's killing billions and billions of people. It's not happening. So if the BBC wants to start playing this game about disinformation, about misinformation, let's play it. And I hope that we are going to be verifying you too, BBC, for your fake news regarding climate change and COVID. And this is really the point. The point is there is no one organization or personal institution in which is an undisputable dogma, in which is the truth. That is not how knowledge works, as I stated. Knowledge works through conjectures, debates, discussions, and therefore rooting out the truth and rooting out the falsehoods. There is no one undisputable dogma in which somebody cannot touch. And when you have 
a ministry of truth. This flies in the face of the principles of the Enlightenment era, and which have been foundational for societal flourishing over the past 50, 100,000 years, whatever it is. We must instead embrace alternative opinions and views in comparison to the ministry of truth, which dictates as to what is right and as to what is falsehood. These principles of free speech, debate and discussion have stemmed from the Enlightenment era, and they're foundational for the Western success. But now, these principles are under attack. With the vaccine now well on the way, there are increasing concerns that misinformation circulating online could turn some people against being vaccinated. The World Health Organization says the world's not only fighting the pandemic, but also an infodemic, where false information about vaccines and COVID in general continues to spread widely, particularly online. The BBC's global health correspondent, Tulip Mazunda, reports. Ever since this pandemic started, we have all been faced with a barrage of information about COVID-19. It can lead to confusion, distrust, and in some cases, protests against proven public health advice. Now, with vaccines well on the way, there's a fresh push to separate fact from fiction. I spoke to trainee solicitor Oscar, who's taking part in vaccine trials at Imperial College London, and production designer Nina, who lives with her 82-year-old grandmother, about new COVID vaccines. Making sense of all of the different scientific opinion and the results that are, are recently coming out is incredibly difficult. It's, I think it's quite convoluted at the moment. I think there are quite a lot of opinions flying around, kind of, you know, over Twitter, over Instagram, TikTok. I would like to be vaccinated because I think it's one of the only ways out of this situation. I have quite mixed feelings. I not I'm not sure how much I trust the vaccine yet because it's happened so quickly. We feel that many people actually currently they are making a decision not based on on the good information but based on 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 some information they have seen um, on social media or elsewhere and they believe it because they have not had uh, access to the right information at the right I mean the right format. So the WHO, along with governments, have teamed up with big social media companies to come up with better ways of getting accurate information to people, like this WhatsApp feed, which anyone can sign up to. Facebook has introduced notification screens, flagging false information before people choose to share it, but it can still be shared. A number of studies looking at people's attitudes towards a COVID-19 vaccine are underway. Preliminary data from 17 countries suggest that people in Ethiopia, India and Saudi Arabia feel the most confident about taking one, with at least 85% saying they would be immunised. There was more scepticism in countries including Germany, France, the US and also in the DRC, where fewer than 50% of people said they would take a vaccine. The sciencey ones have more of a negative impact than the, the ones that are questioning motives of, of people. Professor Heidi Larson has been studying people's attitudes to vaccines for more than two decades. What we need to focus on is building the resilience and building, uh, filling that space. You can't just take away pieces of misinformation. One of the big anxieties is safety. So we can talk about the fact that safety process are being um, uh, followed carefully. We're shortcutting other parts of that long uh, development process. Yep. Scientists are taking to social media themselves to try and get accurate information out there. The battle against COVID can't be won in hospitals and science labs alone. Part of this fight needs to happen online. Tulip Mazumdar, BBC News.
Now, the BBC mentions as to how can they build trust? How can they help people find the truth? Well, let me tell you one thing, corrupted BBC. It would be far better if you facilitated discussions, if you brought individual people, regular people into the conversation, if you voiced concerns, if you were viewed as being more impartial, if you didn't censor, if you weren't part of these disinformation boards. All of the actions the BBC has taken and many institutions have literally done the opposite of building trust. Perhaps they worked in the short term, but now we can see trust in institutions is ruined beyond belief. And this actually makes people more conspiratorial over the long run, not less. So maybe BBC and all institutions and corrupted governments around the world don't try and build trust by treating the public like five-year-olds. Facilitate instead debate and discussion in comparison to censoring anyone who held alternative views regarding the events over the past few years. And maybe also, by the way, it would help if the political leaders, such as Boris Johnson and those in the governmental organizations around the world, instead of, you know, imposing restrictions upon us and then pretty much ignoring all the restrictions and partying, maybe if they actually had some decency and integrity, maybe trust would be built. But maybe that's just a silly suggestion. I don't know. All this corruption is a sign of the time. And the interesting thing is we've seen this corruption occur throughout history, and specifically as the 15th century church, in which I've noted many times. The 15th century church is very similar and analogous to the current institutions of the day, in which it was riddled with corruption before it failed. It was strife with just fraudulent activities. And it pretty much in the 15th century acted as the governmental organization at the time. However, in light of the gunpowder revolution, in light of the start of the industrial age, in which was characterized by the printing press, thus diminishing the monopoly that the church had upon books and knowledge. This introduction of technology and thus the start of the Industrial Revolution, this fundamentally disrupted and dissolved the monopoly in which the church had. But instead of the church ceding power, instead of the church putting their hands up and, and, and acknowledging their lack of significance within society, instead they held on and clung on to tyranny and power. The 15th century church became incredibly corrupted, and as written within the book The Sovereign Individual, Davison and rees argue that the church's power and wealth led to corruption. They cited examples of church's officials who were more interested in enriching themselves than serving God. They also discussed in the book the church's indulgences, which were essentially ways for people to buy their way into heaven. And the book argues that the church's corruption led to a loss of faith among many people. This led eventually to the Protestant Reformation, in which is a major turning point within European history. But in terms, and importantly, in terms of the corruption to current date, Davison and Rees-Mogg argued that the church's corruption in the 15th century was similarly to what we see within the corruption of many institutions in current date. What you need to understand is that the 15th century church was basically analogous to government. It was responsible for architecture, economic development. It was responsible for laws which were supposedly inspired by God at the time, so on and so forth. It was a central point for meeting within society when it came to commerce. But post the Dark Ages, during this medieval period, a change started to occur. This was the start of the Industrial Age, in which the dynamics of society changed majorly. New technologies such as the printing press were introduced, which led towards the diminishing necessity for the church to act as the sole disseminator of information and education. Instead, now the printing press could do this. And the mass production, as I stated the books, ended the church's monopoly on scripture and information. And the wider book availability increased literacy, meaning that more people could contribute thoughts on important subjects, therefore threatening the church's monopoly on theology and information. The point being is that this dramatic change in which occurred 500 years ago is going to occur again. The information revolution is going to destroy the monopoly in which the mainstream media have, in which the nation state has, just as the gunpowder revolution destroyed the church's monopoly.
This shift towards the industrial age was not a smooth transition for the church. Instead, it was the opposite. Corruption was strife. The church hung on to tyranny in order to regain power. And laws were supposedly imposed by God. The same is happening now. The tyranny, the lies, the corruption, it's all the sign of the time. Similarly to what we saw 500 years ago with the fall of the 15th century medieval church, the same is going to occur now with the government and the mainstream media institutions of the day. Just like the medieval church, the governmental organizations and institutions and media shall cling on to power, uphold tyranny, all in an attempt to regain power. So my friends, resist. This is your chance to speak up, never before within history. Have you had the ability to amplify your voice at such a scale within society? Make yourself heard. We live in the most important, best time in the history of the world, but there are many issues. And we need to ensure that we solve these issues. Use your voice. Don't underestimate the power of your voice online. And of course, you can check out Dantons.com for the full shows. You can also subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, and Spotify to stay up to date and find truth in which is the fundamental role of media and politics. Thank you, and I hope to see you soon.